0: We're always scared of the wrong things. Our text this morning is drawn from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that by the power of the Spirit you would come to us, unstop our ears, open our eyes and open our hearts to see your word, to understand your word, and to stand in a proper reference to it. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There was an old shrine on the military base that I grew up on in Japan that was built to honor kamikaze pilots. It was up in a lonely corner of the facility, situated in a creepy grove of trees that was poorly cared for. So it was gloomy with overgrown grass. We'd go up there at night just to challenge ourselves with how much scariness we could handle. But it was anything but scary compared to what we're gonna look at this morning. In our day, Jesus has presented as anything but scary. We like a familiar, friendly Jesus, who is a creation of our own imaginations. This morning, however, we'll see what the Bible says, and the Gospel of Mark tells us to be scared of Jesus. Be scared of Jesus. And as we look at this subject this morning, we'll see something scary, and we'll see be scared of Jesus. So first of all, let's look at something scary. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And it says there, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and is not as the scribes. Now, at this point in time, we're picking up right where we left off last week. Jesus came into Galilee, he went to Capernaum, he was walking along the shore with his fishermen. He called these fishermen as his own disciples. These are men who know them, know him. He calls them as fishers of men, and immediately he enters the synagogue and begins teaching. Now in the Gospel of Mark it's moving rapidly and he loves this word immediately. Immediately. And now immediately he's in the synagogue and teaching. Now this synagogue here is likely the home congregation of John, James, Andrew and Peter. It would have been served as, by rabbis and scribes as their pastor or their local clergy. A typical service would have consisted of dry lectures on small points of the law, teachings from rabbis and from various teachings out of various texts used as commentaries on the law. But Jesus, the rabbi, teaches with astonishing power and authority. It's as though Jesus owns the text. For indeed, they are his words. Going on to verse 23. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now immediately there's in the midst of them a demon-possessed man who in the Greek here, anakrazo that's that verb there where it says, and he cried out. Hanukrazo. He shouted out aloud. He shouted these things out aloud. Now the synagogue had clergy who served them. And yet, here's a demon possessed man among them. I want you to think about this for a minute. The first century was a time and place where people lived. They lived in a place where they were born and they, they rarely traveled just a few miles from where they were. They might travel during the high holy seasons, but they had work to do They traveled on foot. They traveled on animals. You might have spent most of your entire life within five miles of the place in which you were born. And for this reason, I believe that this man is familiar to them. Perhaps he's a member of the synagogue. They had clergy that served them as well. But notice, the clergy don't seem to have been aware that they had a demon-possessed man in their midst, or they didn't know what to do about it. And yet here he is, right in their midst crying out in an unearthly, scary voice. And he says something scary and shocking, something that in Mark has only been acknowledged by John the baptizer and God at the baptism of Jesus. And that is this. This is the Holy One of God. This is the Holy One of God. And notice what else it says here, this question. Have you come to destroy us? This is the Holy One of God who has power to destroy Demons, going on in verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent! Come out of him! To the scary demon, the man, the man with the demon inside of him, Jesus shouts back in an even scarier voice. Now a rabbi or a scribe would have been caught flat-footed by this scary event. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. He immediately silences Controls and commands the demon. Be silent and come out of him. Remember who commands and controls. Commands and controls this demon. Who commands and controls
1: your destiny.
0: He commands and controls your destiny. So fear nothing in creation. We live in a time and place in which the machinations and conspiracies of evil men have been unveiled. Things which were hidden before COVID and all the things that came with it are now shown to be true. We see the machinations of evil men and conspiracies trying to control the world. We see the machinations and conspiracies of men seeking the destruction of the Christian faith and trying to control the church. But Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in control. And so we have nothing to fear. Now I want you to notice in this scenario Jesus extends himself way out. Jesus always extends himself way out. When Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb, he extended himself way out there. He spoke to the people. He spoke of resurrection. He came to that tomb and told them to roll away the stone. And with that dead body in there, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Here we've got another situation like this. We've got a demon-possessed man who's come into the synagogue He's screaming and crying out. He's pointing at Jesus, acknowledging him. And Jesus says to the demon inside the man, silence and come out. What if the demon doesn't come out? Jesus is way out there. I was snorkeling behind a seawall in Hilo, Hawaii when something scary happened. I wasn't paying attention and came to a breach in the wall and passed over and started floating out into the Pacific Ocean. The waves were powerful, and the undertow was very strong. I was barely holding on to some volcanic rock, cutting my hands, and I was barely able to swim back into the protected bay with all of my strength, and I was scared to death. What I was scared of was the giant sea that was huge and untamable. The scary demonic thing in the midst of the unprepared synagogue must have also felt huge, and untamable. So let's go on here. We've seen something scary. Now let's see. Be scared of Jesus. Going on to verse 26. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Jesus said to the unclean spirit, silence and come out of him. And it came out. It convulsed the man. You know, they've actually excavated what is likely this synagogue. They're excavating a synagogue in what would be ancient Capernaum now. It would have had a large hall for the men with an upper floor for the women. The main hall would have had a hard floor of basalt rock. At the command of Jesus, the demon cast the man down and convulsed him violently without harming him. How do we know this? On a parallel passage in Luke chapter 4 and verse 35, it says, And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people... He came out of him without doing him any harm. Now, I want you to imagine the scene. Though. You're in the synagogue. You've got his hard rock floor, and you've got hard skate surfaces all the way around. Jesus has been baptized at the Jordan River. Remember, everybody was going out to be baptized by John at the river. And when Jesus comes down, John says of him, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He acknowledges him as the Messiah. This would have spread like electricity all throughout Israel. And then Jesus goes off into the wilderness and makes war on the devil. And when he comes out, he goes into Galilee. And by this point in time, he's probably done his first miracle, changing the water into the wine. And the word is spreading. And so people have gathered into the synagogue, packing in. Notice he's been asked to teach. They're sitting there waiting to hang on to his every word. And then this scenario happens. This man gets up and cries out in his unearthly voice. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You come to destroy us. Jesus says, "Silent! Come out of him!" And the man convulses and begins to convulse on the floor. The sound of his limbs clacking on the rock-hard structure. The eerie voice crying out from him, echoing through the place, and the people are stunned and shocked. The demons struggled mightily against Jesus and clung to the host, but it came right out. It came right out. Why? Because nobody, nobody resists the command of Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 27. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits. And they obey him. Now, friends, demons were present in the Old Testament, but the casting out of demons was rare. The only recorded instance was David playing his lyre, which caused the evil spirit that tormented Saul to depart. Demon possession, even when Israel was co opting the demonic religion of the pagans around them, is left unrecorded. Think about this for a minute. Before the exile, we've got evil kings coming onto the throne. Culminating with Manasseh. They're killing faithful priests and prophets. They're bringing in false priests of the religion around them. They're bringing idols into the temple itself. They're bringing temple prostitutes into the precincts of the house of God. In reality, they're worshiping demons. Israel's caught up in the worship of demons. And yet demonic possession is more or less unrecorded in the Old Testament. But with the arrival of Jesus, demons are everywhere in Israel. Why is this? It's as though Satan has called in all his reinforcements. Well, if you look at the way the ancient world is structured according to the word of God, we see that the demons are out leading the nations astray. spread. They got stuff to do. They're out misleading the nations like Greece and causing them to worship false gods. I believe there was something up there at the Oracle of Delphi. They're out in Asia and Africa and the Americas, leading the people astray, holding them captive with fear, but with the coming of Jesus. And remember, Satan knows the word of God probably better than any mortal ever will. He knows the word of God. He was there at the very beginning. He sees things. He knows things. He's not a fool in that way. And so he knows something's up. He comes to Israel at that point in time. Messiah has arrived upon the scene because when you notice when Jesus goes into the wilderness for his temptation, Satan himself is there. Now, I know some people will say, yeah, I ate too many uh, fig Newtons. I got the demon. I got the demon of fatness. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The devil's not omnipresent. He's got his legion of angels, fallen angels to lead. But we notice with the arrival of Jesus, Satan's there and there's demons everywhere. Why? He's called in all the reinforcements to try to thwart the purposes of God. But I want to say this, friends. Sometimes I think our Pentecostal brothers spend way too much time talking about demons and being afraid of demons. Jesus is way scarier than demons. Jesus teaches with authority, his own authority. And he commands the demons and they obey. And he is your Lord and Savior. And you've got his holy name. You've got his Holy Spirit in your hearts. Going on to verse 28. And at once his fame spread everywhere. Throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Jesus' fame spread because Jesus is someone to be feared. Someone to be scared of. We live in a time and place where we don't fear God. We live in a time and place where the church goes along with this and we don't teach the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the most fundamental act of faith. Psalm 111 verse 10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. In Proverbs 16, 6, it says by steadfast love and faithfulness iniquity is atoned for and by the fear of the Lord one turns away from evil we could use a fresh dose of fear in our time and place we could use a fresh dose of the fear of the Lord in America in 2024 we live in a time and place where we do whatever we want with our bodies sexually we see the word of God says be pure do not commit sexual immorality be married and within the bounds of marriage between one man and one woman, then sex is sanctified. But we say, no, we want to do it our own way. There's no fear of the Lord before our eyes. We live in a time and place where they say there's more than two genders. Though God's word said he made them in the beginning, male and female, he made them. He made them for one another. It was not good for man to be alone. Man and woman together in marriage having children populating the earth and having dominion. But we say, no, there's 50, 60, 100 genders. We look at God's word and there's no fear before our eyes. In our time and place, we steal our neighbor's wealth through income redistribution schemes because we're too lazy or jealous to earn it. And we look at the command of God, do not steal. And we say, we'll do it our own way. There's no fear before our eyes. We could use a dose of fear. And friends, Jesus is scary. Jesus is Lord, the God man who has God existed forever and who authored the holy word of God. The word of God tells us that Jesus spoke everything into existence. He spoke the cosmos into existence. He spread out the heavens. He sent the stars out from the farthest reaches of the universe star upon star, galaxy upon galaxy, at the far ends of creation that we haven't even begun to imagine. Jesus spoke that into existence. Jesus spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He separated the dry land from the water. He populated the water with creatures. He put the vegetation down. He populated the world with all kinds of creatures. He created man in his own image. This is the one who speaks to the demon. This is the one who loves you. This is the one we pray to. It's not dude, bro, God. I've heard pastors pray like that. Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus, as God, created all things, including the angels who fell and they obey his voice. The powers of heaven and earth need to be scared of Jesus, for he is Lord. Can I hear an amen to that? We live in a time and place where everything is supposed to scare us. There are Russians who are supposedly rigging our elections. There are right-wing insurgents who are supposedly plotting the overthrow of our government. And scary diseases are lurking in every restaurant and every school hallway. But the thing that we should really be scared of passes right under the world's radar. Jesus is scared. Jesus is the most powerful man in the universe. Jesus is the most most powerful being in the universe. But Jesus is also huge and frightfully and terrifyingly untamable. For Jesus is God. And yet you, Christian, have received his favor and his love. And he's pleased to call you brethren. This morning in Mark chapter 1, we've seen something scary, and be scared of Jesus. As we've looked at, be scared of Jesus. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to love you. Help us to have the familiarity that we have with you as sons and daughters. But help us never, never to not fear you, for you are untamable. And so far beyond us, you are the Lord of all. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.